take that out. And if you don't, we've got some gentlemen around the room that would love to give you a Bible. Uh, we want everyone to have a good, readable paper version of the Bible because sometimes, I don't know if you, you know, but phones can be distracting. So it's nice to have a paper version. But um, Happy New Year. You guys excited for 2024 at all? Maybe? Yes? Cool. Me too. I'm so excited. Um, if I have not met you yet, my name is Aaron. I'm the worship minister here at Two Rivers Church. I'm normally here with a guitar, but I'm so honored and blessed not only to have an incredible team to lead us in worship, but also just be able to share. Yes, and what a wonderful team. I love, love our worship team. Um, just, just be able to share what God's been doing in my life and also what I see in his word that maybe he wants for us for, for 2024. But um, a little bit about myself. Uh, me and my wife, Kara, have been married for about eight years now. Uh, we have a little boy uh, who's three and a half. His name's Ezekiel. He is a bundle of joy and so fun to be around. And we are about to have a baby girl in about five weeks. And her name is, I don't know. Um, <laughs> eventually, we will know at some point. Um, but it's crazy, crazy how fast this pregnancy is going by. I don't know if you guys, if you've had multiple kids where it just seems like time is just moving faster and faster and faster. And as I get older, I, I think I'm finding myself saying this phrase more, the days are long, but the years are short. Isn't that true? It just feels like time is just moving fast, and I just want it to slow down a little bit and soak it up. And, but I'm loving this phase that we're in right now. He's full-on toddler. We're playing with monster trucks and Super Mario and Spider-Man and wrestling on the floor. And my wife just wants to cuddle him the whole time. So she's going to have a blast for the next couple of years, and I'll be excited to, uh, to enter the next phase of the toddler years. But um, some of my most favorite moments with Ezekiel, my son, either when we're in public or at our house, and they're little unique moments you'd only get if you have a toddler. And you know, if you've been a parent, there's just something that's just like having kids, there's just things that happen you wouldn't even expect. But I remember this one time we were in uh, Mitchell's Hardware, if you guys know where that is downtown, it's a little gift shop and uh, a hardware store. And uh, we, we're just walking around, just walking around downtown and stuff, and I'd turn around, no joke for it, it had to be five seconds, just looking at some hats. And I turned back around and Ezekiel was looking up with four things in his hands up at me like, I'm not doing anything. Like, what is going on? They're like, what do you got? And he has a candle in his hands. So first I'm like, okay, well, let's put this down. Okay, over here, we're not going to get that. Oh, a glass ornament. Yep, definitely not that. Put that back over here. A spatula. How did you get a spatula? And you're like, that's pretty good. Maybe we'll take that. No, we're not going to take that home. And the last thing he had in his hands was a big green kite. Um... And he was very disappointed that we had to put that back. But you as parents know, you can't just buy everything that a kid wants. Uh, and so I, I had to tell him, hey, buddy, we, we can't get that right now. And uh, he did what every respectable three-year-old would do. He was just kind and patient, <laughs> walked over with it and put it back and said, you're right, Dad. I don't need that, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> full-on temper tantrum on the floor. Daddy, I want this. The kite is my favorite toy. It's my favorite. I'm like, I don't even think you know what a kite is. I don't know how you think it's your favorite toy right now. I just said, I want this, I want this. And so first off, I was thinking through my head is, can we make this happen? First thing is, is immediately if I buy this, when we get in the van, he's going to want to open it. And I don't know much about aerospace, but I know about our van space. And it's not flying in our van, right? It's just not happening. And if I take it home, 
In our backyard, I don't know like the wind terminal rating velocity to like lift a kite up in the air, but um, I'm assuming that our backyard doesn't have it. I, I don't know, maybe if there's kite professionals here, you can teach me after if I can launch a kite in my backyard, but I assume you have to be at the beach or something. And so I'm just thinking through like, no, I just, I don't think, even if I can get it up in the air, I think you're gonna love it for 10 seconds, be bored, and you're gonna wanna go back inside. So I'm like, I'm not spending $10 on this, I'm sorry, you know? And so it continues on, it continues to whine a little bit more, but I know after 20 minutes, he's just going to forget that we were even there, and it's all good, said and done. And uh, as parents, we see so many things from a different perspective, right? And even though it's hard for my three-year-old to see in that particular moment, one day he'll understand, hopefully. Hopefully he's not scarred by the fact he didn't get a big green kite, but... Time will tell. Um, but there's so many times in my life now that I'm looking back on maybe my teenage years or going into college and my mom or dad just kind of shaped me a little bit. And when I really wanted something, I wanted to do something, I wanted to spend my money or go experience something, they, they had this wisdom to just step in for a second and say, I, I know that's what you want, but I really don't think that that's actually what you need. And the time management and self-discipline, being responsible with monies, with money. I wanted to go somewhere, experience, and just looking back, I'm just so thankful for my parents coming in and, and teaching me a better way, way to live. And I'm reminded with this story, I'm reminded of the relationship we have as us, as God's children and our Heavenly Father. How we have these moments as adults where sometimes we can act like children, right? We want what we want when we want it. It's not fast enough. The drive through is not fast enough. Starbucks got my order wrong again, and I'm mad. It's not fast enough. It's not good enough. No is not good enough. I need it now. But so many times, we just keep going our own way. We want what we want. And we say we're, we're walking with Jesus. We call ourselves Christians, but really we're just checking out some boxes and living out a different reality than what the Bible actually describes what a Jesus follower is. The early church knew the difference between the talkers and the walkers. They had different versions of that, maybe Pharisees or Sadducees, but they did not care about a name. The early church did not care about a name or checklist. They just knew that Jesus was real, that his message needed to be shared to the nations. There was such a burning desire to spread it like a wildfire that they gave their lives for it, a revolution a kingdom that cannot be shaken, God in the heavens coming down to be with his people, sending his spirit to go before us, to live in us and teach us all truths. This was worth it all and worth leaving everything behind and worth giving their lives for. So how did we get here? In America where it shifted to something of just a mundane checklist or a simple math equation to God and say, yeah, I'm a Christian, and you just live a completely different life. A recent Pew Research study found that 73% of Americans own a copy of the Bible, but only 9% read it on a regular basis. And another study on people who actually call themselves Christians, mainly maybe most of us in the room, only 29% of Christians read the Bible with any regularity more than three times a week. And that three time is actually only 10 minutes. So 29% of Christians spend 30 minutes or more in the Word. But that same study, this is interesting, released that 88% of Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons read their Bible with the same regularity. 
In another study, the share of Americans who say they're certain that God exists has dropped more sharply. It was 71% in 2007. It was 63% in 2014. And in 2021, it's 49% of Americans that say that they believe in God. So why is Christianity on decline in America? Why do we not read this book with more regularity? Why do we not take time as we should to commune with God, to hear and listen to his voice? As I was praying over what to share this morning, I was kind of given a little bit of a, of a one-off sermon, just kind of tying things up for the new year and just asking God, what does our church need right now? And I was just brought to this perspective of a child and a father and how we think we want what we actually need. We, we, we mix this up, and even though we feel so deeply sometimes that it, this is going to be the next best thing, this is going to fill my heart, this is going to provide for me how I've always wanted, this is going to fill that void, and if I get this, if this happens, everything's going to fall into place, and we find ourselves still singing the famous words of Bono, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And we're growing more and more independent you see culture just sheltering themselves, being more independent, led to believe by society that we can find truth out for ourselves. We determine what truth is as humans. And unless you have an anchor point, something to ground you, it's so easy to just start living your own truth in your own way unless we come back to an anchor. So what if, what if there was a father in heaven who was all sovereign, who was all-knowing, who was every bit of good and every bit of him was for you and 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 me. He was all for us, every bit of love, and he knew that he called us his chosen generation, his royal priesthood, his holy nation. He knew what we really needed. And what if there was a way for us to connect with that God? What if there was a way to hear what he wants for us, what he wants to say to us, and what we actually need in this life to fill that void that we desire? And what if it actually wasn't as complicated as we make it seem? It's actually very simplified in scriptures through the words of Jesus and the apostles as they worked through what the early church was. And if we know, want to know what we really need in life, to follow in the footsteps of the people that said yes to God. As we're in the series, we're following the footsteps of the stories of the people that have said yes to God and goodbye to their old world. If we want to follow in the steps of that and say yes to Jesus, then first we need to start in the Word and use it as our building block like we always do every week at Two Rivers. So I want to invite you guys to turn um, to Romans chapter 12. Um, if you like in this moment, we're going to stay in here for a little bit and then go to John chapter 10. So Romans 12 and John chapter 10. Paul is uh, kind of at towards the end of a, of a large argument to the, the church in Rome. Um, at this point, he uh, has made some really, really big, bold claims because a lot of the people were really confused about what it means to follow Jesus. They were, um, they were Jews, and so a lot of it meant the law and works and everything. And, and Paul is trying to say, like, look, it's not by your works that you're saved. It's by grace that you've been saved. No longer there's condemna condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And so we're coming towards the end of that. 
And he's talking about a mindset shift that we have to have to enter in, to know our God. And he says this in Romans 12, verse 2. So therefore, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and perfect will. There's so many passages that talk about um, renewing of the mind, or in Psalms, David says a lot, create a new heart within me. Paul writes a lot that we have new creation. There's, there's a renewal that happens when we are coming into Jesus. And I love this one because of how clear it is. It's not just about behavior change. Sometimes we want to get so practical that we're like, if I just do X, Y, and Z, I'm in. Like, we're just fine. I'm living the life. And we just, we don't see that actually what God's bringing us into is a mindset renewal. And honestly, that's why a lot of New Year's resolutions and goals don't get accomplished because we focus just on the behaviors. We don't, if you want to be a healthier person, we think, all right, let's just go to the gym three times a week. But what if you could think more like a healthy person? Then every little decision you would make would make you healthier. You see what I'm picking up there? It's just, there's, there's a mindset change that has to happen. And if the lens in which we view our lives and others changes, then we'll truly be able to see what we actually need for this coming year. And so there's a mindset change that I want to kind of land on and stay in for the rest of our time this morning. Uh, it's from the book of John, verse 10. If you want to turn there, you can. The, the uh, verses will be on the screen. Jesus is uh, just meeting with his disciples, but these Pharisees come up, and he's uh, having a teaching moment because they're still extremely confused about what it means to follow Jesus, and also they think he's a liar, he's a thief, and he's crazy. But Jesus is trying to teach them and say, no, I actually am the Messiah. And so he says this in John 10. 1 through 6. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. The sheep listen to his voice. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. One simple question. Do you listen for the good shepherd's voice? Is that something that you're actively seeking as a Christian, to seek the good shepherd? Could you point it out in your day-to-day life if God is moving you to something, if the Holy Spirit is moving you to something? Admits the other, all the other voices in the world fighting for your attention, could you ground yourself and say, this is what God wants me to do, and I want to follow him? Or is it more often and we're more keen to know the voices of strangers, of actors, comedians, politicians, athletes, and influencers. It's hard to admit this, but sometimes uh, I don't really want to hear from God sometimes. Because what if he actually did speak up? 
what if I did invite them into this place that I'm actually very comfortable with? I really like my TV shows. I like my music. I like my habits. I like the things that make me feel comfortable. But what if God said no to that? What if God actually said yes to this? Then I'd have to go. Hearing from him is such a, a polarizing piece of information that comes in. But what if he actually spoke and what if I get confirmation, a yes or no, that I shouldn't be indulging in that or I shouldn't be doing that? I'd feel convicted. I'd be convicted of taking part of a culture. And um, So what happens? A lot of us, if you can relate with that, if you feel that way, if you can resonate with that, what do we do? We justify our actions. We justify them, and it, it's not really bothering anyone. You know, it's not really coming into contact with anyone else. Does the Bible really say, I can't watch that? Like, really? Jesus actually does have a word for that. In Matthew 6, 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Okay, well, maybe that's true, but for me, uh, it's not really bothering me that much. You know, I'm, I'm stronger than this. I have a filter. I, I won't say the things that I watch on the TV. They're, they don't really bother me. Who cares if we don't cut out the provocative and crude TV shows or movies? Sometimes I just really need to unwind. And the story's so good, Aaron. Have you not seen the Dothrakis take down some other person on, I think it's Game of Thrones? Just that it's so good, and we want to be on the inside and know what's going on in the stories, and who cares if I drink a little more than normal, you know? It's just really been a long day. It turns into a long week, it turns into a long month, and soon what was once a quick sedation, just a quick fix, so take the edge off, turns into a crutch, and the habit becomes a dependency. You say things like, well, I'm just a little tipsy, I'm not drunk. Do you really know the difference? When I'm doing homework, I'm at work or I'm a CrossFit working out, I just need some music in the background, get my blood pumping, you know, to lift everything I can. Yeah, I know it's, it's pretty vulgar, it's dark, it's pretty degrading to women, but man, do you hear this beat? I would lift so much more if I listened to this song, whatever it is. I really just need a good laugh, you know? Sometimes I just need to laugh and just forget about some things. But I know this comedian's extremely racist. I know he's crude. I know he's derogatory. But I swear he's the funniest person alive. And man, he makes me laugh my tail off. Sometimes I just need to disconnect and turn my brain off for a second, you know? Just disconnect from reality. There's just so much going on. I just need to scroll through something mindlessly for hours and hours, or play a game and just put myself in someone else's shoes. I just, I just need to veg out and disconnect. This is relating with anybody? So instead of bringing those desires of being filled, of, of distraction and sedation, what we do is we take our childish attitudes, we take those things that we call ours, our comfort zone, and we run out the store. We run out the store with it, the alarm's going off, and our heart's racing. And what we thought we actually wanted, what we thought we actually needed, is the very thing. The very thing that's hindering us. And it's not actually satisfying our desires. It's not actually filling the void. So we get left more broken, more afraid, 
feeling more deserted and empty because we are the thief. We are the robber trying to enter the gate some other way. So what if, what if instead of heading after the distraction, like that one, after sedation, we pause and we take time to ask Jesus, our good shepherd, we try to listen to his voice. We ask the Holy Spirit within us. God, I just need to be comforted right now. Can you comfort me, please? God, what do you, what do you think of this right now? Do you, do you even want me to sign up for this thing again this year? Because it's a big commitment. It's a lot of my nights and weekends. Like, do you even want me to do that? Is that best for my family? God, do you want me to say yes to this or, or no to this? I'm really going to let some people down if I say no, but I need you to speak to me. God, what should I really be watching? Is this show really tainting me? Am I, am I just blind to see what I'm actually watching? God, do I really drink too much? How much time on video games is actually too much? God, what would really bring the satisfaction that I'm looking for? God, can you help me to truly seek your kingdom first. As those questions unfold, you start to see a single thread go that they admit to God, I need your input. I need you to come in. I desire your input first. I want you to lead me beside the still waters that David talks about so much in the Psalms. So how do we do that? It's nice, yeah, cool, hear from the voice of God, but like that just sounds so bizarre and far out and weird. How do we do that? How do we know what God wants for us? How can we know and hear the voice of the Good Shepherd? And to answer that, let's look at some more words of Jesus and his holy scriptures. Let's turn to John 14 with me. At this point in Jesus' life, he's moments away from the crucifixion on the cross. I've never been in a situation where I, I know when my days are going to end, but I know that if you know your days are numbered and you know your life is about to come to an end, you're not in small talk mode. You're not just shooting the breeze, talking about sports. What you're really doing is getting down to the nitty-gritty and saying, guys, this is the thing I want you to know. This is what life is all about. And Jesus is in that moment with his disciples. He's reminding them of what he's about to do on the cross, what that means for their faith, what that means for eternity. And they're so confused. And so he says this in John 14, 25. He says, all this I've spoken while still with you. Meaning, I'm, I'm here. I've spoken this while I'm with you. But the advocate, some translations might say helper or comforter. They're all good translations, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. His Spirit, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Back in the late... Uh, third century, way back in the day, there was a man named Origen of Adamantius. What a name. That's a pretty dope name. I wish I had that name. All I got is Aaron. Origen was a prolific writer. Um, He wrote over 2,000 treatises and papers and multiple branches of theology. 
including textual criticism, biblical exegesis, hermeneutics, homiletics, and spirituality. And that's just a lot of theologian jargon for he's pretty dang smart. <laughs> uh, he, was most, oh, he was one of the most influential figures in the early church and early Christian theology and apologetics, and he has been described as the greatest genius the early church has ever produced. Through his time on earth with a couple of his mentors and people, he coined a reading practice that you may have heard of called Lectio Divina. It's Latin for divine reading, and it's a traditional monastic practice of reading the Word of God, uh, practicing scriptural reading, meditating on it, and praying. What most of us might try to, to do this, and you may not have known that it originated somewhere, but this is just the origin of, of kind of how we, we tend to read the Word sometimes. And it's intended to promote communion with God and to increase the knowledge of God's Word. In the view of one commentator, it said, uh, he said, what Lectio Divina does is it does not treat scriptures as text to be studied like a textbook, but as the living Word of God. Honestly, it's pretty simple when you look into the practice. Uh, the scripture reading was much, much, much smaller than what we would do as Westerners. We want to say, all right, let's read three chapters, maybe, or let's going to do this Bible study, and they're going to guide me all over the place. But what this does is says, no, we're going to do one verse, maybe two verses, and we're just going to read that over and over and over again. And then we're going to meditate on it. Just sit for a little bit. Then we're going to pray and ask God, ask the Spirit, God, would you just teach me what this verse actually means, what you want from me from this scripture? We're grounding ourselves on an acre. It's not something we're finding somewhere else, but in his scripture, God, can you teach me what this means? And the last part is just contemplate. Or simply what it is, is you read, you reflect, you respond, and you rest. You read, you reflect, respond, and rest. I found out about this practice from um, a ministry I think I've mentioned before, Wild at Heart Ministries out of Colorado. Their ministries wrote a lot of great books called Wild at Heart. Um, there's another one uh, that I can't remember the name of. They're both really good. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I listened to their podcast and I've read a couple of his books, but I wish I had a lot more time to just unpack all of this practice. But what I want to point out through the the verses here and, and what this means is that there is a God that has given us his spirit for a reason. Let's look back in verse 26 again. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will what? Teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. His spirit is peace. Later on in John 16, Jesus says, in the same kind of conversation later on in John 16, he says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I don't know if you're like me, but when you read that scripture, you're like, I don't know, Jesus, it'd be pretty cool if you were still here. <laughs> like, if you were in like, a place right now, like, I think that'd be better. Like, seeing miracles in front of my eyes, and Jesus so many times says, I've done miracles for you, but yet you still have no faith, yet you don't believe. So what he says is in verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, 
He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to his followers to constantly help us, to comfort us, to sanctify us. This is a word that seems a little churchy, but it's such a good word. This is what the Spirit of God does and what God wants to do in us is to continually cleanse us, to rinse our minds, to make us more holy, to be more like Him. The Spirit sanctifies us and guides us into the true life we were meant to live out. And so my question is again, do you listen to the Good Shepherd's voice? Do you take time to listen to the Good Shepherd's voice? Or is life too busy to stop long enough to hear the whisper, to be patient and wait on the Lord? The Eldridges, um, the, the leaders in the ministry have um, talked about that practice of Lectio Divina, and they do a, um, a thing at the end of every year towards like the end of December, where uh, him and his wife pray over their year, and they go month by month, January, February, all the way through. They're very busy traveling, kind of that um, speaking gigs or whatever it is, and um, they pray over the months, they pray over their vacations, and they ask the Lord to speak into that before they put anything on the calendar, just a, a broad overview and so they've been doing this for, for several years, and uh, every year they take a family vacation with all their kids and grandkids up to this big cabin in the woods, and they spend a week out there, and it's just, it's so awesome, and they've been doing that for a decade, or a little bit more than a decade. And uh, this one year, back in 2021, uh, they prayed over, uh, month by month, and they prayed over the vacation, and both him and his wife just felt like a little disconnect, some angst, some it wasn't peace. It was just almost like a wait, a pause. Don't, don't schedule that yet. So at first, they're kind of like, well, I mean, we do this every year. Like, our family loves it. This is a good thing, God. Like, uh, so because they've been, you know, walking with the Lord for a long time, they know, okay, let's just wait for a second. Let's not schedule it yet. We'll table it. We'll come back to it, right? Maybe God was just playing with us or something. I don't know. Um, and so they come back to it uh, a week later, and they pray, him and his wife, again, with the word open, the reading, meditating, and just inviting God in. God, can you just lead us this year? And they just feel like we should not go on this vacation. Just shouldn't go on this vacation again. So like, okay, uh, maybe he's really saying no, but let's just ask for a third time, okay? Because normally we get a yes, and like, I really need this vacation, God. Like, it's been COVID. We're ministers. We're wiped out. I need rest. This is it, God. Like, this is what I need. Just say yes, God. So they pray for a third time, a week later, him and his wife again, Bible open, praying and meditating on the word, and they feel the same lack of peace, angst, anxiety, just don't do it. And so in anger, but confidence, he says, all right, well, we can't go. We're not doing that. Come to find out six months later, the very week that they were going to go to that cabin in the woods, in the heat of summer, wildfires came into Colorado burned up the entire forest around the cabin. The day after they would have arrived, they would have immediately evacuated. Immediately. Ruined their vacation. Ruined their time that they actually needed and actually wanted. But what God said yes to was a different vacation. Going to the beach. Completely different place. 
and the family had a wonderful time. I don't know about you, but I don't believe that that was a coincidence or just a funny feeling. Do you trust the good shepherd? Do you trust his voice? Do you trust his ways over yours? Um, from reading in the Word and, and reading passages like this, um, my wife and I thought we might try it out. <laughs> Something I didn't grow up with is just trying to um, ask the Lord for guidance, but just read and be a better person and just kind of do that. And um, Earlier last year in about February, um, I was, uh, we were entering into our busiest season at the HVAC company I was working at. I was the chief of operations. And it was a smaller company with tons of problems and always fell on my plate. Um, I was so stressed out that I was losing my hair. Um, I was coming home every day, the dad I didn't want to be, the, uh, the husband I did not want to be, the person I did not want to be. And I just talked to my wife in February, and I was like, I want to quit so bad. Just, I don't care what it is. I don't care how much money it is. I just need to get out. And um, so I'm very thankful that my wife, uh, in all of her kindness, was like, let's pray. Let's just pray. And um, so we started praying. And um, first couple of times, it just, it just felt weird just sitting and waiting and asking God. Um, and it just felt like God wasn't hearing me. Like he didn't want to listen. He didn't want to speak. He didn't care. And so I just kept pushing on, going through, keep doing the grind. And um, in June of last year, um, again, summertime, HVAC companies, brutal, <laughs> just straight brutal. Uh, and I'm just like, I'm so done. I, I'm going to quit right now. I'm, I'm just done. Uh, I don't know what's there, but I'm just quitting. And Kara said again, no, let's pray. Like just, again, let's sit and pray. And so... Um, we had a, a little bit larger backyard, and there was a swing that I built, and we just sat out there one time, put Zeke down, um, and just sat on the swing, and, and we're just praying, um, just reading scripture, and just, God, like, I just really want to quit so badly. And um, so crazy. Uh, it's the, the non-breeziest day you could ever think, just dry, no wind, middle of summer heat. And when I asked the question, God, do you want me to quit? The largest breeze of air came and pushed us back in the swing. We just swung back and forth in birds. No joke, birds just flocked in our, um, in our backyard, like hundreds, just sat there. And uh, I was just blown away, so blown away. I was like, are you, is this a yes, God? And both Kara and I just looked at each other, and there was peace there was comfort. There was this, um, yeah, just comfort. It just was like, yes, it's good. You should quit. So then the question is like, when? <laughs> like today? Can I call him right now and be like, I'm done? And uh, just con through continuing to pray, um, we just invited God in. He said, no, you need to wait, wait till August. Give him, give him some time. So I put in a, a six weeks notice and I continued to just work out my time and try to help the transition of the next person in. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but last year I was filling in for Greg up here on stage. Uh, he was the associate minister like uh, Micah mentioned, and he left off uh, to go to um, Durham to plant a church. And so just once a, once a month, I was just coming as just a guy. Like, you need a worship minister? Cool. I've done that before. Uh, yeah, I'll come do it. <laughs> um, and uh, 
rumor spreads around that Aaron quit his job and uh, heard some people that maybe we should hire that guy. And, um, and Dave was like, hey, uh, we want you on staff here at Two Rivers. And I was blown away because that was literally like the week after I put in my notice um, to quit my job. I had no clue, seriously no clue what was on the horizon. I knew we had some savings for the reason of losing my job and we would be fine, but I had no clue what was ahead. And the week after I put in my notice, um, Dave asked for me to come on staff. And so because I know how powerful sitting in prayer is and not just saying yes or no, um, we pray and we wait. And um, would you find it that the last day of my job, um, a company uh, was starting a new location in Wilmington, an HVAC company, and I would get to be the sole owner and manager of that. Money just blows my mind how much they wanted to pay me. And I'm, I, I've thought long about this to not share it, but I felt like maybe it just would be powerful. So it's not that I'm great. It's just to show how good God is. Um, so anyways, I, I get the offer. And um, <clears throat> my wife and I are like, okay, so ministry pays, I mean, it supports, but it's, it's not six figures and all of those things. Um, and then this, I mean, we have everything we wanted. We'd have the boat that we always wanted. We have the house we always wanted. You wouldn't definitely not have to work, but I would be right back into the circle and rat race that I'm in and even more so. And so we prayed um, for a couple weeks. I just, nothing. It's like going back on the swing again, like, all right, God, bring some birds, you know, like, bring some wind, like, tell me something. Um, and I just kept sitting there and, and waiting and waiting and waiting. And um, one time I was like, all right, you know what, just, I need to go somewhere else. So thankfully in Wilmington, the beach is close by, I went, and um, this was, uh, this was about mid- middle of October. It was a cold, like, rainy day. It wasn't raining yet, but it was a colder day. And so I just pulled up by, um, there's Fort Fisher, there's a bunch of rocks, and uh, it's just beautiful. You can just look out. It's nothing but ocean, peaceful and calm, but turned the car off, um, just sitting there and, and praying and just asking God, like, God, like, what do you want me to do? So I started asking, like, specific questions, like, God, do you want me to stay? Do you want me to take this job here in Wilmington and for this HVAC company? And um, the moment I asked God, do you want me to take the job in Newburn, I felt a rush of wind in my car below my hair. It felt like it. I probably didn't. But it's just like this, this rush and breeze. And um, I just saw just a bunch of words that just said, yes, 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 yes. And so I was like skeptic, like, what is going on? Is my car on? Like, did I leave the air on? No? Okay, it's off. Um, that was weird. Um, but I was like, all right, you've done it once before, God. Um, I guess you're doing it again. But this one just feels different. Like, I could have just fabricated that in my head. So, God, I'm sorry, but can you please just confirm that for me? <laughs> like, I, uh, I don't, th- I think you said yes, but I really need to know you said yes. So, can you just confirm that for me, please? And um, uh, about an hour after that, um, that moment of, of prayer, I was actually playing disc golf with my brother-in-law. Um, and uh, on my way there, I just get a random phone call uh, from a guy that I had never talked to at church. Um, I actually don't even know how he got my number. Um, but he called and he said, hey, uh, I heard around a church that you recently quit and you don't have a job. 
um, would you like to come pressure wash some houses? And he's like, it doesn't pay much, like maybe 14, 16 an hour, um, but it, just something. We need some people. It's really easy to do. You seem pretty handy. Like, do you just want to do it? And I was like, well, thanks. I really appreciate it, but um, I'm actually, you know, weighing a couple of different jobs right now and um, just, just trying to work through which one I should take because there will be ones that I could do full time. He's like, okay, no, cool. No worries, man. Well, just curious. Could you just, you mind if I just know? Like, what, just so I can be praying for you and thinking. Uh, so I was like, yeah, you know, this first job is an HVAC and a lot of money and we'd have everything we need and I'd be able to do the things I want to do in the company, but it just doesn't, I don't know. It's just so, some kind of disconnect there. And then the other one is at this church in New Bern where I'd be the full-time worship minister, which I've always wanted to do. And my wife would get to stay home with Zeke and he said, stop. I said, what? He said, that's what you need to do. I said, what? <laughs> he said, that's what you need to do. Like, it's, what? <laughs> I need that again. He said, that just makes sense. Like, you being a worship minister and your wife staying at home, like, that's what I think God really has for you. Aaron, you need to take that job before it goes away from you. And I was like, Travis, you're kidding me, man. <laughs> I was just in my car praying and asking God for direction. I thought I heard him and asked for confirmation. And then you just randomly call me and say, I need to take this job in New Bern. And... Uh, the rest is history, honestly. Um, God brought me and my family here because of a yes that he gave me. Because of a yes that he gave me and for a yes of me reaching out. <laughs> too much, too much. But thank you. Um, I just, uh, I'm honored. But I, I share that not to say that I have some secret key that uh, you got to go sit in your swing or sit in your car because that is putting a math equation that doesn't exist. God does not work the same way for every person. He's personal to you. His spirit is personal to you, and he knows what you need. He knows what you want, and he wants to give you the desires of your heart. But the thing is, is when he says no, it's a good no. <laughs> it's a good yes if you say yes to him and he says yes to you. So I want to leave you with this question again. Do you trust the good shepherd? Do you listen for his voice? Do you trust his ways over yours? Because that very same voice said this, and I believe it's true, that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and life to the full. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for uh, your word, that it is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And God, I'm so sorry when I don't actually use it the way I should to actually light my way. God, I'm sorry when I just want to go my own way because it's comfortable, because I like it. This is my little part of the world that I get to keep, and it's mine. But God, I, I just pray over our church right now and anyone listening to this message that the truth resonates within them that you want to guide in such a personal way that your spirit wants to move. But we have to stop long enough to hear you. We have to wait long enough to listen and it's gotta be still and quiet. And so God, I just pray right now against any distractions, any habits that people are just addicted to. It's just a crutch that you just can't get past and you feel like there's nothing else that can satisfy the soul, God, I pray. 
God, I pray that your spirit moves in a powerful way to show them that what that is what they need. God, I love you so much. I thank you so much for Jesus and his words. Thank you so much for the power within them, the life change that has happened within me. God, I'm so thankful that you have told me yes to this place. It has been the hardest year of my life being here, but I have loved every second of it. And it's not hard because of two rivers. It's just the change and things that have happened. But God, it's been so good. And I'm so thankful you challenged me to step into this new season. And so I pray right now that this church, every individual here, as they're just approaching the new year, as they're just asking, maybe, or just waiting, or God, is, are you even there? God, I pray just right now, you just bring down your spirit and you just comfort them. You just bring peace. Say, yeah, I'm here. It's still a small voice. I'm here. Just continue to seek me daily, simply, quietly, and I'll be there in your midst. God, I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.